Welcome, everybody. Hi, I'm Rick Adams, and thanks for coming along. Um, just like to say a big thank you to the sponsor of, of this session today, is Planet 55 Studios. Uh, and, of course, uh, the CMC depends on, on fine support of people like them, and uh, we're very pleased that Planet 55 Studios chose our birthday bash as their focus. And, um, and thanks for that party last night. I don't know if you're like me, but thank goodness for the miracle of coffee. Um, so here we are. Uh, we're going to keep the party going today because this is all about a party, a celebration. First of all, let's mark a, a very important birthday, I think, that we all should recognise today. Um, probably one of the best organisations on the planet, tirelessly fixing us all as we move through the years, uh, the incredible NHS. So, happy birthday, NHS. Seven, 70. Very good. <clears throat> Thank goodness I didn't end up there last night. Now... <laughs> This is a birthday party for three extremely glamorous senior citizens who are still stunners, whose skin still snaps back without the aid of Botox, and, and still taking on younger whippersnappers whilst leaving other aged brands heading for the Stannis airlift and the archive box in the sky stroke cloud. So here's our birthday celebration of three incredible and wondrous brands that have become part of all of our lives. So let's sit down beside them, let's hold their hands, have a cup of tea, or something stronger and ask them, just how do you do it? How do you keep it going? How do you look so good? So let's start with a beloved character and his pals who are 73 years young and are still puffing along. From Mattel, we have Ian McHugh and Michaela Winter. Ian's the creative director. Michaela is the producer of a little character I think you might know by Thomas and Friends. Thank you very much. Um, and I'd just like to say thank you for inviting us today as well. I didn't see the birthday cake, but I hope there'll be plenty to go around, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so, yes, you all know Thomas. Um, he's great. Uh, but I'd like to sort of really go right back to, to the very start, and I'd like you to sort of cast your mind back to 1943, when everything was black and white. <laughs> A British clergyman, his son, ill in bed. He starts to tell him stories of the railway that chuff outside his bedroom window. And so the stories of Gordon, Henry, and Edward start. And the little boy is so enthralled by these stories that he asks his dad to tell them every night. But the dad keeps getting them wrong, so eventually decides to write them on a piece of paper. So the reverend writes the stories down and soon develops such great stories that his wife pushes him to go and speak to a publisher. And so in 1945, the very first railway series book was published and soon became a huge hit with young children. And so the Reverend Audrey saw that wonderment that children see in the world of trains. And I know a lot of this week I've heard talk about sort of how young children are watching on different platforms and different mediums now, but let's go back to, in 1940, this is how our young audience consumed content out there, train spotting, <laughs> writing down numbers. Um, the little boy at the front there with shorts, and I think was, was, is, is Michael Carrington. Um, someone told me that, but um, yeah. Um, and that was it. It was, it was basically kids love trains, um, and they would go out and train spot. And, and sort of Thomas became that sort of substitute, the sort of storytelling um, for, for Thomas really replaced that. Um, and then obviously Britt Allcroft came along in the, the late 70s. And she did an interview uh, with Reverend Audrey. Um, and then sort of from there, I think she optioned the rights and had the, the brilliant idea of, of turning those stories into a TV series. So in 1984, the very first live action episode was shown um, on, on ITV. 
and uh, we're going to take a little wander down memory lane again and just watch a little bit of the first episode. Thomas is a tank engine who lives at a big station on the island of Sodor. He's a cheeky little engine with six small wheels, a short stumpy funnel, a short stumpy boiler and a short stumpy dome. He's a fussy little engine too, always pulling coaches about ready for the big engines to take on long journeys. There you have it, the, where it all began. Um, over the years, the storytelling um, has remained at the heart of Thomas and Friends. Um, make, hey, ugh, sorry, making stories about a railway has remained the most important thing for us. And as the technology has changed, so too has Thomas and Friends content. And finally, in 2010, the decision was made to move over to CGI. So now Thomas is a truly global brand um, with awareness kind of all across the world, really. We're broadcast in over 100 countries in 40 languages, um, and children all around the world um, know who the little blue tank engine is. And if uh, most of you thought that Ringo Starr is still doing the voice today, think again. Um, yeah, he only did the very first two seasons. Um, Michaela and I are currently delivering season 22. So we've had a host of celebrities, um, a little unknown called Eddie Redmayne, who then went on to win a, an Oscar. Not for Thomas, but uh, he still won an Oscar. Um, Hugh Bonneville recently came in. Um, and the thing about Hugh Bonneville, I've always loved about Thomas, is that it's a sort of a timeless sort of era, sort of that sort of bubble um, that we sort of live in with sort of the era of steam. And for us, it's like sort of... Uh, a preschooler's Downton Abbey. That's what Thomas is to us. <laughs> um, and of course, we, we you know, want to keep up um, with, with today and the sort of celebrities play a big part and we've got a, a brand new celebrity joining, joining our sort of ranks um, that I know Sharon loved working with, a little unknown called Peter Andre, um, who is absolutely lovely. He came in, he did sort of performance of his life, so energetic, not an ounce of ego, well, a little bit, but not much. Um, even showed us his abs, and it was brilliant. So, yeah, and again, you know, this is purely, we know young children love the show, but this is purely, here you go, mum, something for you. Um, and yeah, Sharon loved working with him. But of course, we could throw the best cast in the world at Thomas, we could write the best storylines and do everything. At the end of the day, really, what is important, the reason why Thomas has been going for so long it's because children just love trains. That fascination, the scale, the power, the energy, they just love trains. And here's a little video that just really sums that up. What's coming? A train! Are we going to ride the train? Yeah! <gasps> Look at how it goes to us! <laughs> oh my yep. goodness! Here it comes! Here it comes! Hey, we gotta be safe. Stand back. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so, due to little girls like that, um, Thomas is still very popular. Um, we've got over 300 licensing partners <coughs> worldwide. 
One engine is sold every second somewhere in the world. Um, over 200 million books have been sold to date, and we have over 4 million visitors to our live events um, every year. But that doesn't mean that we can just put our feet up and enjoy our spoils. Train spotters aren't allowed to loiter and look at engines anymore in King's Cross. So we've had to work really hard to ensure that the um, brand stays relatable for today's young audiences. So recently we carried out a lot of research um, around the world, mainly in China, Germany, the UK and the USA, and we were inundated with feedback from parents, carers and most importantly children, um, and one piece of feedback stood out from us, and that was from a little boy who was aged four, and this is what he said. Trains go places. Thomas is a train, but he doesn't go anywhere. And we took that and we had some conversations together and we thought, you know what, he's right. Yeah, so some, some big changes going into the show. Um, but again, at the heart of it is storytelling, at the heart of it is railway. Thomas isn't just going off on a jolly holiday, he's actually going to work on other railways and, and meet new communities, new characters. Um, and I think the idea of taking Thomas around the world, if we go right back to that very first Thomas book that the Reverend Audrey created, it talked about the little engine who wanted to come out of his station yard and see the world. Well, we finally sorted out those visa papers, 70 years on, and he's going to be going around the world, which we hope will just really entertain our young audience. So really, Thomas has got a long way to go. Um, you know, we can sort of keep him going for another 70 years. Uh, hopefully I'll be around for those 70 years-ish. <laughs> um, but thank you so much. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Michaela. It's obviously come a very long way, and it's going to go further by the looks of it. And, and it's, it's quite a challenging ex experience now these days to get that kind of media in front of people and get, keep kids interested. So the stories are the most important things. The, what have you found have been, you know, really the, nice, the nicest stories? Do they work the best? Is it characters? What, what is the, what's the mix? Yeah, we, we've got a head writer in the room, actually. I mean, one of the things <laughs> that we uh, ensure we do is create stories around characters. Um, and that we again make sure that the railway um, element is, is in there. That's very strong. That's what our, our, our sort of audience love. Um, but we, we still, Thomas has always been a show with sort of social emotion, emotional learnings and sort of life lessons. And, and those sort of values is something that we want to retain. So that our very young audience, you know, our audience is like two to four years old. If they can just take away the message of sort of sharing teamwork and, and, and just, you know, being kind to your friends, that's very important for us. So, yeah. And it's staying in a universe as well where there aren't mobile phones, there aren't you know, electronic it's a devices. Timeless, timeless bubble, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's trying to retain the fact that it's still the era of steam, which was obviously the 40s, 50s. Um, and so we sort of, yeah, the, you've got Sir Topham Hat, the fat controller, walks around in a top hat and tails, which is obviously not very relatable for young children. But, you know, he, we'd never have him pull a, a mobile phone out of his pocket. That would sort of, that would just kill the brand and make Thomas far too old. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and which character do you both identify with? Um, I, I particularly like Paxton as a character. He's a diesel. He's a bit of a clown. Um, so, yeah, I like him. You're um, Paxton in the meetings, I yeah. think. Like, okay. 
we've got a new character called Rebecca um, who's coming on screen and I reckon she's probably the one that I identify with mainly because she crashes into people the entire time and things like that so Very I think maybe I'm getting a lovely insight into you Michaela okay good. yeah don't come too close right. make sure you're insured okay well that's excellent thank you very much for, thank you. for showing us that I think it's uh, it's always interesting to see where something has come from and where it's going to and uh, well we've, we've got other birthdays in the room here and I have to say, staying, staying on the right track here, we've got... It's really now a turn of a real menace. Uh, we still love him and the Bass Street kids and his pals. Bino's turning 80 this year, which is quite ridiculous and amazing. But here to tell us more, Chris Rose, who is the director of development at, and, and production at Bino Studios. Chris, your birthday's also kind of near the same day, almost, as the Bino. Yeah, not in the same year, though. It's going to say, you look really good, Chris. <laughs> Otherwise, I've got very good. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, so Bino turns 80 this year. In fact, this month, um, on the 30th, we celebrate 80 years of entertaining the nation through mischievous and rebellious storytelling. Um, so we began in 1938 with the comic, and here's our little evolution through the last 80 years. Um, comic, digital, last year we launched... Dennis and Nash Unleashed on, the, uh, on CBBC. It was the top performing show at the time. It's regularly their top animation as we've uh, launched new episodes um, since, uh, and we're developing new episodes now, which is quite exciting. So that's the first show out of the new stable of Beano Studios. So what is Beano Studios now? Um, well, it's a, con it's a contemporary uh, content IP studio. We uh, have a, a TV, film, and theatre development slate. We've obviously got the comic, which um, is still is very, very popular. Um, is, uh, you know, the subscription base is increasing, which is actually contradictory to traditional publishing um, uh, uh, detail at the time. We are a digital network. In fact, last night, I'm very pleased to say that we won two awards at the Broadcast Digital Awards. We won the best digital children's content and the best original web channel, which is a fantastic accolade for every, all my colleagues in well done. digital. Well done. Thank you. Um, we still publish the UK's most successful annual. Um, so the Beano annual for over a decade has been the most successful annual. So our mission statement is kind of to make the world think more kid, as you'll see there. Um, we, we talk to kids all the time. Um, and what do we want to do? Well, we want everybody to think more kid and to be more kid. Um, so we have a panel of trend spotters who we talk to every single week. Um, they're up and down the country, so they're reflecting all aspects of the UK. Um, and they actually help us inform the content we create for Beano.com. So when fidget spinners were a thing, before they were a thing, we, we were able to make some bespoke content that we could put on our website and in our app. And if you haven't seen either, you should go to them after this session, not right now. Um, and we were able to uh, create SEO content that actually um, surfaces to the top and attracts the attention of all the kids uh, around the UK and around the world. Um, what's this one here? So, talking to kids isn't new for Beano. We've talked to kids continuously throughout our 80 years. Dennis, uh, as you'll see from this image here, has evolved since he was born in 1951 uh, to that lovely CG version we have now, um, created by Freddie Fox, uh, voiced by Freddie Fox. He does exist in the comic as that 2D look uh, still, so both versions of Dennis exist and complement each other um, perfectly. 
Um, readers were always encouraged to play with our brand and our characters and tell us about it. And when they did, they were rewarded. We featured their photos in the comic, give them prizes, and we turn them into comic characters. I know you've all got a Beano in your bag as well, so you'll see how we engage our audience and readers there. Um, so what do we do now? Well, we have conversations with kids, and we analyze user data from Beano.com, and we don't pilfer that data. It's all above board. Um, and we fill in the information gap that exists in the kids' content world, allowing us to create a constant learning process. Having these learnings uh, actually helps create the creative process for us, letting us create the hottest digital content and directly influencing TV development. And by continuing to gather this information on our content marketing and product teams can immediately respond to playground buzz. Um, from the super macro back to the weekly and daily, we've uh, a panel of trend spotters who are playground influencers. Um, they, we regularly talk to them, and as a company, we go out and talk to kids uh, in schools on a monthly basis. So we actually get down and dirty and interact with those kids and talk to them about what they're doing, and so that we can reflect their lives um, in the long form narrative, but also in the immediate short form content on Beano.com. Um, so they helped us create um, content so that we can reflect trends like Fortnite. Uh, DIY slime, squitchies, trumpophobe mannequins, um, and even more. And they're helping us understand the rate and duration uh, of an adoption of these trends. So you'll see here uh, a little graphic that shows that comic sales have increased and circulation has risen 10% uh, in the last year against an overall decline of 8%. Uh, we are the only kids' title to do so, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we're, we're published every week, which is just phenomenal in this day and age that we were able to capture that audience. Um, so what are some of this year's big learnings? Well, you'll see here that kids like to live in their own bubbles. Um, unsurprising things like living in their own bubble, much so than grown-ups, and accompanied by their famous friends, attainable celebrities in the form of influencers. Encourage things like the professed feelings of gender neutrality and anti-stereotyping, and surprising things like their ability to self-censor and understand more about their digital environment. Um, so where do we go next? Well, we go everywhere and anywhere. We're always looking for new ways to make our audience laugh and smile. Um, we're looking for new places and platforms to engage the audience on that reflect their media landscape. Uh, we're updating favorite characters and introducing new ones through our TV shows, the comic, and our online Beano Toon strand. We're finding more ways to interact with the influencers and personalities that our audience already loves. Um, and we're relying on market research and insight to respond to what's relevant to our audience. And increasing the diversity of our on-screen personalities, characters, and the voices behind our characters to reflect a modern and British audience life, just as the Beano has always reflected contemporary Britain. Um, ultimately, Beano Studios is about serving our fans with the values and attitude that they love and look to us for. Um, this means giving them the enhanced experience, so the more they engage, the more they're rewarded with what they want when they want it. Um, that's it, Rick. That was a Thanks, whirlwind Chris. tour wow. of what Beano Studios is now. My goodness. So has it been a challenge? Because, I mean, I've always been a fan of the Beano. I used to buy the Dandy. I bought the Beano. And maybe you guys have that experience, too. There are obviously well-beloved characters, Banana Man. Those, those are the, the stalwarts of your, of your brand. Has it been difficult to keep the balance of those in the mix because of your you know, digital pursuits and then trying to keep, stay true to, to what the brand is and the, the original success of the comic. Um, so the, the brand is about 
rebellion and mischief. Um, and I think you'll see the characters that are in the comic re- really perfectly encompass that. Mm. And in TV, so we're looking after TV, film and theatre, and we're taking the best of the characters from the comic, as well as some non-character uh, content as well, and really infusing our Beano values of everyday laughs and, and rebellious uh, personality into everything we're doing. So I think the comic, you know, Desperate Dan is no longer in the comic, although I grew up with Desperate Dan, he's one of my favourites. Banana Man is in the comic. Um, Dennis is obviously uh, our hero brand, if you like. So I think, I think the comic is a brilliant uh, interpretation of what Beano does, but the digital content we're doing now is just engaging for the immediacy of the audience. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and it's clearly working and it's experimenting as well as, as, as you go along. I suppose the difficulty is for Thomas is that you, you can experiment only so much, but with your brand, you can really, there's, there's nowhere you can not go in many ways. It, it's great because we have a content team in house, we're able to quickly react. You know, we can film something, we can publish it within a, a matter of hours, and we can get feedback on that. And if it's not working, we'll whip it down and put something else up. And I have to ask, which character do you identify with most? Mini, Mini, Mini the Minx. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave that to everyone's leave imagination. Yeah. I think that's that's fair enough. Well, Chris, thank you very much. And we will be having questions at the end. So if you want to interact with these guys and ask some questions, then please do. Um, right then. Well, it's time now for us to be charmed by a character who's been waving, waving his magic wand for some seventy years now. And um, so I guess all I have to say is. Izzy Wizzy, let's get busy. Let's talk to Richard Cadell, who is the producer, and it's quite rare to actually have the producer, the writer, the performer, and the brand owner <laughs> in the room. All, all of those powerful people enrolled into one person. Richard Cadell, nice to see you. Hello. Yes. I don't sort of mix a lot with, uh, with, with, with the likes of the, you know, say the likes of you. That sounds terrible. But I'm just sat here in awe of the fact that yeah, it, it, there's big teams behind what you do, and, and I think possibly the success of Sooty really is that it's always been a, a one-man band operation. Um, and uh, I'll touch on that in a minute. I've got a little video. Oh, there's my logo. That's my logo. I thought I'd just put that, <laughs> point that out. And here's, <laughs> no, and here it is. Here's a little, uh, a little something. It all began on a wet summer's day in Blackpool in 1948. Harry Corbett was an electrical engineer and part-time magician who entertained at children's parties to earn extra money to support his wife and two young sons, David and newborn Peter. It was whilst walking along the North Pier that Harry spotted something that caught his eye in a shop window. Harry took an instant shine to the teddy bear puppet, thinking it might keep the kids entertained and perhaps may find a way into his magic act. But he would have to check with his wife Marjorie first, as after all, it was a princely seven shillings and sixpence. Luckily, she said yes, and Harry returned to buy the puppet. It was a decision that would change his life forever. Creating a television legend loved by millions. A legend known as Sooty. Sooty has been a TV star since the early days of television. Gosh, Sooty, you are a clever little teddy bear. And has remained popular with audiences young and old over the decades. 
It's you, is it? What are you doing with a toilet plunger? Creating a British icon along the way. Right, oh sooty, now where were we? In a changing world, this cheeky little bear has stood the test of time. But his rise to fame hasn't always been... Easy peasy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. As he's had some ups <laughs> and downs along the way. It's not as bad as all that. Luckily, there's always been someone close by willing to lend him a hand. With over 65 years in the entertainment business, Sooty is still going strong. Not bad for a five-year-old little teddy bear with a magic touch. There you go. So um, the, the obvious question is, why has it survived? And, and I think you look back on, on that moment when Harry Corbett found the teddy bear, and he unwittingly got in there before everybody else. He picked a toy that every child knows and recognises. Probably the first toy a child has ever bought is a teddy bear. And um, therefore, you have an instant recognition when children see Sooty for the first time. They know what that character is. Only this one on the television moves and, and does tricks and is naughty and, and, and does things. So there's an instant engagement there. And one of the things that he also did accidentally was to not give Sooty a voice. And what this has meant over the years is he's been seamlessly been able to jump from presenter to presenter uh, without any kind of um, any joins. You know, it's, it's worked on many hands, not only on, on mine, but obviously Matthew's and Harry's, and on stage with multiple presenters. So that's been a little secret to it all. Um, and it was, well, I must remember, it, it, was, it started off as a, as a stage show. Harry Corbett was a stage performer, and the TV came um, to great success after the stage show of Sooty. So again, you've got a unique situation with the Sooty show where what we do on the television translates seamlessly to any situation. And that has uh, propagated uh, the, 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 the brand um, you know, in, in, in such a big way. And the toys were immediately available. What persuaded Harry Corbett to give up his day job and to become a full-time performer was the opportunity of making um, Sooty Puppets. Chad Valley offered him uh, a license fee, and the first, probably one of the first bit of brand licensing happened with the Sooty Puppets. And soon every child had a Sooty toy and was able to replicate virtually identically what they were seeing on the television. It wasn't a jigsaw or a book, or it was actually Sooty and with no voice. So that, I think, is an important reason why um, Sooty had such strong foundations. Why has it uh, still survived today? Well, I think you have to look, you know, I've, I've got extremely close to the brand, not only as the owner, but starting off as a fan of it and, and taking over from Matthew Corbett and looking at the way uh, he kept the show going. Harry was very uh, stuck in his ways. He loved Sooty. He was uh, treated Sooty as a child. But Matthew was the guy that took it over and kept it modern and fresh. He based the stories on his own children. And it was that that kind of, that, that I think, cemented the longevity of Sooty. What I've been able to do in, in my tenure, and I've done it for 19 years now, is... Um, it's certainly in the last, I bought the rights in 2008 and I was able at that point to really do what I wanted to do, which was to, to fix the original formula. Which is, so, so I think that my message has always been never mess with a formula that works, but we've modernised it in as much that my TV shows now, the ones that we're very proudly on, on CITV with, is... Uh, they're mostly location. We don't do the behind-the-counter stuff. We try and avoid it, really. We're out in the real world. And, and when we take Sooty into that world, that's when he's strongest. And that's when he relates um, to human people. And, and, and that works really well. Um, and 
there we are. <laughs> You've got a question for me, Rick. I think, Richard, that, that what's interesting seeing it, and I, I don't know if you're all struck by it too, but it, it's still very viscerally funny. And even the old clips are still very funny. So there's clearly some magic still there. And all of these, all of these characters have this magic that brings out something in all of us when we watch them. Yeah, and it's, I think what's, what's been great for Harry Corbett, Matthew Corbett, and, and me, and it's unique to this brand, is that I listened to you guys talking about the research and development for, for your, your brands. Because Sooty is, the, the main revenue stream for Sooty is not the television show, is, is, is the theatre shows. We, we're continually on tour and we do very, very well in the theatres. That's our revenue. And I present majority of those shows. So, and Matthew and Harry did. So you've got your audience in front of you. You, can, you know what gags are working on a daily basis. And if they don't quite work, you tweak them. And, you can, and it's, it's finding out that right in, you know, there's, there's, you're there in the thick of it. And you can, tra- you can take all that knowledge that you're continually building and um, translate it onto the telly. I'll just tell you a quick little silly thing just came to my mind, is that when Matthew handed over to me, he, he didn't really tell me any of the stuff that I learned. They put me in a room with him and they said to him, teach Richard how to operate Sooty and, and tell him all about it. And I was very, very um, excited about this prospect. And uh, he literally put it on his hand and said, said, you stick it on your hand and you wiggle it about a bit. <laughs> That's all he said. And then we watched the football. But I've learned in 20 years of doing it, it's not that at all. There's a lot more to it. But um, you learn it on, on the ground. And you write about the visual comedy. Um, again, you know, this is all... It, this was always done around a kitchen table. It's just little old me and my brother, and we, we, we kick these ideas about... As a kid, I didn't want to ever come home from school and watch a TV show that tried to educate me. And, and, and for the Sooty Show, we, all I want to do is make children laugh. Mm. All I want to do is make them laugh. And it's, as you say, Rick, it's visual humour. I'll sit down and write down the gags before I write a story. I mean, I always try and write a lovely story, but it's always about the visual jokes, what's going to make them laugh out loud. And, and that's, that's what I think is the secret. A lot of people write in and say, my kids, this is this, it's one of the only shows that you can hear them squealing with laughter. And when you look at the evolution of all of the three characters here, you know, you can see that you can see the track for, for, for Thomas and for the Beano. With Sooty, there was a period, wasn't there, where they actually removed, when you weren't involved, they removed the actual people. And, and, and that didn't work so well, I understand. There was a cartoon. Um, yeah, I, 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 there was a brief period where there was a, a lull, let's just say, and they tried to take it in a different direction um, with a cartoon and, and considered a formula with no humans. But it ultimately didn't work. It wasn't the Sooty Show. And um, I remember going back when I bought the rights, there was no TV show on, you know. And we took a big risk, remember, the buying something that was potentially dying, you know. Um, I'd presented it for a long time, but as I said, that, that kept working for, for Hit Entertainment. Um, and I always had my own strong views on how it should really be presented, which was simply just watch Harry Corbett, watch Matthew Corbett, take that formula and don't mess with it, but bring it into the modern world. And um, it was a lovely moment to go back to sit in front of Jamila Metron and show her a pilot. Um, and she just sort of chuckled along and literally just looked at me and went, mm, can you do 26? And that was a lovely moment. Just to sh- and all we'd done is just gone back to the original formula of, of Sooty Sweep and Sue. I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's to, all it is, you, you base the scripts on confrontation. Every, little, every child wants to see another child get away with something and pull one over the adult. So that the, the adult figure being me or Matthew Harry, whatever, is always at the brunt of these children's antics 
and, and it's, they're always trying to get one over him. It's just simple confrontation. You know, don't do that, Sooty, and he does it. I mean, it's, it's easy to write. You know, it's... So, so taking a look at the, the three amazing characters who've lasted this long, for each of you here on our panel, do you, is there anything you take from each other's brand that you would like, you wish you could integrate into yours or wish that you had the opportunity or latitude to include into your brand? Would well, I like to be on 100 different countries and 450 <laughs> millions and sell one Sooty every second? Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> I think... I think slapstick is really hard for us. We can get into the same thing, yeah. Um, Being engines, being on tracks, um, not having arms, legs, um, it makes physical comedy, I think, a lot harder. Um, And I know Andrew and the team have been working really hard to introduce more comedy on the series, but I think, yeah, if we could do more slapstick, that easier, (laughs) that would be great. I I think kids love Thomas, adults and kids love Thomas, and I would hope that there's a similar affinity with um, generations of kids and adults in the UK for Beano. We can't do preschool, uh, you know, I, lo- I love preschool, I would love to get down and dirty. You know, Mini Beano? Well, we could do a, a preschool version of Mini, I guess, you know, <laughs> chaos in the, in the playground or the playpen. But yeah, I think, you know, what, what Thomas does, it just engages that younger audience. Um, and if we were a different company, I would love to get down and engage that very young preschool audience. Well, I think what we'll do before we have a special guest visit, um, perhaps we should uh, throw the questions to uh, the floor. And if there's anybody who'd like to ask some questions of our esteemed panel here, perhaps if you have a brand of your own that you're looking to get this kind of longevity. I mean, if you, I mean, in, in modern terms, getting a longevity of three or four years is quite remarkable, but having 70 plus is, is quite extraordinary. So perhaps there's something you can learn from, from what we've been talking about today, hopefully. And if you have a question, is anybody, would anybody like to ask a question? Gentleman at the back there with the rather extraordinary, lovely beard. Thank you. Uh, I'm curious, whenever you look at the new brands that are coming out now, what do you see that excites you that you think in 70 years we'll be talking about now? Gosh. Mm. <laughs> at the moment, I have to say, I mean, you know, I thought Gumball was an amazing show. Um, but of course, they, I think they've just finished making the sort of current series. So, um, but I think that will sort of last a long time. One of the things I love is, is Teen Titans Go, um, which you know, obviously not a preschool brand, but I think you know it's that sort of superhero sort of formula. It's a great show. But I think at the moment, I mean, if, if we were to mention Paw Patrol, which effectively is the, the nemesis of Thomas. Um, Paw Patrol is effectively um, a format that, that brings sort of puppies together that rescue heroes and it's kind of like you think wow gee I should have done that idea a long time ago because we know kids love puppies um, but I'm, I'm not sure that Paw Patrol will be around in the next 10 years I'm not going to put money on it but so I think there is something quite special, and I think we're all very proud to be involved in these sort of brands that seem to have had that sort of lifespan and that sort of, they have that heritage um, history. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough to name one brand that will sort of stand the test of time other than what we're looking at now, I think. So. Can I, can I present a question maybe? Yeah. Do you think it's possible for brands in today's age to have the same sort of I think a lot comes down to how children watching content. You know, they, they flip back and forth so quickly because they've got so much more to watch. I think if you go back to a lot of these shows, 
you know, I'm from the era where I, I was ecstatic when we had our fourth channel to watch. Um, you know, I mean, we literally had three, three channels. I had a one o'clock watch with mother during the week and then a little bit of TV at the end of school that would finish and on would come the news, boring. You know, and I'd go out and play sort of thing. Whereas kids now, it's 24-7, they're on their tablets, on their phones. And I think they won't have the sort of the same nostalgia that we got as youngsters watching these sort of shows. And something like Thomas, and I think with actually all the brands, there's an army of adult fans out there that have grown up with those brands and are still sort of huge fans. I mean, for Thomas, we get so many sort of letters, requests, um, a lot of the time telling us how we've done something wrong. You didn't put a brake van on the back of the coaches. Come on, you know, this is just rudimentary railway realism. Get it right, you know. Um, but we do take the comments very seriously. They're very important to us because really I think without those adult fans, I don't think some of these shows would have probably lasted so long because you probably find that they're actually then introducing their children to those brands as well. Chris, does that happen to you? Does that, I'm sorry to interrupt. Sorry. Does, that, does that happen to you as well, Chris? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the parent, grandparent, great-grandparent appeal um, says a lot, actually, and does introduce new audiences to our content. But similarly, I think evolution and reflecting kids' lives back at them is integral to keeping your brand alive. So, you know, Tom, Thomas was reinvented several times. I mean, yeah. even during my time working there, it was reinvented a couple of times. Yeah. And to see this new interpretation. Now, similarly with Dennis, you know, it, all the character development we're doing at work is just moves these characters on and contemporizes them. Mm. So, yeah, there, there may be a little gap, um, but then they'll come back and they'll be relevant and contemporary. And so long as kids can see something in that character, then there'll be a, a purpose and a reason for them. And Richard, with you, it's interesting because I think I obviously I grew up with Matthew and I loved him. And so you, you do get connected to that brand and connected to a character when you see a person as well that you age with. That's something very different. The, the two, other, two other characters, you know, the Beano and Thomas, they are ageless in many ways. They will not get wrinkles. They'll not, you know, but you see Matthew Corbett getting older. You see... Um, you're not getting older because you, I, I don't know what deal you've done, but you've got a, you've got a painting carefully. in your attic upstairs. But, but, but you know, you, you actually grow with those people and it makes it sort yeah. of more intimate. Uh, absolutely, you do. And, and I think just, just going back to what you're saying there about uh, parents and grandparents watching it, that's, that's, that's certainly extremely relevant to Sooty that grandparents will introduce their children to, and grandchildren to, to something that they loved and watched and they'll take them to a theatre show. And when we do our theatre shows, we joke about it, it's the true 60% of the audience are adult. Most of them, a lot of them don't come with any kids at all, you know, and it, it's true, it really is, um, which is great. And we play to them, of course, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think there is an element, There's, there is a, a human element to Sooty which, which, does, um, uh, which does have, there is an issue of ageing, um, but you look at people on there, I mean, the Chuckle Brothers have just made a comeback, haven't they, on Channel mm. 5. So, I mean, hopefully there's a few years in me yet, and I would hope that, that somebody would take, take the show on after me. But I do find that when we put other presenters with Sooty, because I have stage tours out continually with different people presenting them, that actually, they don't care, it's not me. You know, as long as Sooty delivers and does what he does, it's Sooty it's all about. And that, that, I, I know that, and, you know, so yeah. that's it. You know your place. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very demanding. Uh, let's take another question. Anybody else have a question? Annette, over here. Um, I know that you have other characters in the mix, but do you think it's significant that all of your key characters are male? One of the key... In the Beano? Yeah, like, so Dennis the Menace, Thomas the Tank Engine, 
Sooty are all boys. Well, it's something that we are addressing, um, certainly in the development of the long-form narrative. You know, we recently announced that we are um, going to co-produce uh, The Magnificent Misadventures of Minnie, which is um, inspired by Minnie the Minx. Um, and I felt strongly when I joined the company that the next show should be a strong female protagonist, and it made sense that it's Minnie because she is the second most popular character in the portfolio. Um, and we do have other strong female characters, and, and similarly with Dennis and Nash Unleashed, we have two very strong female characters in that lead ensemble cast. So I, I think now, in these contemporary times, as opposed to when Dennis was launched, it's important that we reflect kids accurately. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's important for us, certainly, that we have a fair balance of, of genders. Do you think their gender has got anything to do with the longevity? I'm just interested, you know, um, is it... Uh, well, you know, Dennis started in 1951. He was the first character, really, that has longevity. So I, I can't really answer that question other than say he is the original. Mm. I think with Thomas, it's really just, again, comes back to the, the fact that they're trains, you know, and that's what kids love, whether it's a sort of, you know, the, the boy hero at the front or a girl. We are actually introducing more female engines at the moment um, to try and get a sort of better gender balance um, and trying to bring some sort of core female characters, you know, into the sort of steam team, um, which will be in the new show that we showed a clip of. You on. have an Iranian character, is that right? Sorry? You have an Iranian, Iranian character? Is it a, for a different sort of nationality? Yeah, so we've got an engine that's coming over from Africa to Sodor. Yep. Um, and, and then Rebecca, who sort of Michaela mentioned earlier, is, is coming over from the mainland to Sodor. And it's really just trying to get us a sort of a balance of not only sort of different genders, but even the sort of the colours of the engines for our young audience. It became very confusing when you had sort of three blue engines and two green engines. They kind of thought mm -hmm. that Edward was Thomas's dad just because he's older, but the same colour, you know. So, um, yeah, no, we are, we are trying to sort of uh, make um, that change um, to get a better balance. But Thomas will always be the hero of the stories, you know. That's where it started, and, and that's something we wouldn't change. You've got Sue, of course, though. Yeah, we have Sue, and, and, and Sue and Harry's, and, and even to an extent, Matthew's era was a little bit wishy-washy as a character. And, and we, we're certainly recently writing her up far stronger um, the big exciting thing for us at the minute, we've been working for a couple of years on a movie which looks very likely now, which is exciting, and Sue in the movie is, is almost a complete redefinition of her character. She's supremely intelligent. She's the one that has all the ideas and, and, and all the solutions, and uh, she's the brains behind it, whereas she tends to be a little... You know, in Harry's era, she was just making cups of tea and hoovering, you know, um, literally. So, yeah, there is definitely, uh, definitely um, a need now to address that, that balance. Glad, glad that's moved on. Yeah. Did you, did you want to say something? Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about your question, and I think that, if I'm honest, that there is probably an element of the fact that if you're looking at when these brands started, that, yes, they were successful because of the fact that their, their lead character was male. I think it was much more acceptable to have girls watching a show that was branded for boys than boys watching a show that was branded for girls when these shows started. I don't think that that's the same now. And I mean, our viewing audience is pretty much 50-50. And I think we're all very aware of bringing that gender balance and making sure that everyone can watch a character that reflects them on screen. But if I'm honest, I think there probably is an element of the reason why some of these brands that were male brands have stood the test of time is because initially, in order to be out there, you had a male lead character. I mean, even if you look at something like Harry Potter, mm. you know, written by a female author, 
the main character that is on the title of that book is a boy. And there was lots of research that was done into it that kind of suggested that actually had it been a female lead, those books wouldn't have been so successful. Maybe they would have taken off afterwards, but I think that's changing now. In terms of successful, do you mean successful with the audience or successful with um, merchandise? Because I know merchandise has a lot to play in the past, traditionally, in who these lead characters were. So, and you know, Toys R Us are no more, but Toys R Us would say there's the girl aisle and the boy aisle, and really you want your product in the boy aisle. And I think parents today are much um, less concerned by by those aisles in terms of, okay, well, my son wants a doll, that's absolutely fine. But I think, you know, previously that, you know, previous generations, that wasn't the same. So I wonder if maybe that also has something to do with it. Richard, I wonder also, I've never been sure of precisely what sweep is. Is that an opportunity for you? (laughs) Is, is, Is sweep a boy or a girl, do we know? Yeah, he's a boy. He's a boy, okay, all right. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was just a bit confused growing up. Yeah, I all. think you were, Rick. Yeah, I'm he's sorry. a boy, love him. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. I, think, I think one more, one more question and then, and then we will we'll come to an end. Anybody else have a final question? You'd like to ask the, the guests here? Okay, well, I tell you what, um, it's all very well. I mean, I, this, the, I have to say, Thomas and the Beano are at a slight disadvantage in that you, we couldn't possibly fit them in the room because obviously we'd have to lay down track, we'd have to probably get a lot more insurance if Dennis is here. Um, but we are very lucky to have, and I, I think, think his limo has arrived, so uh, I was just wondering, Richard, is he, is he in the building? Yeah, he's here, he's here. Okay. I'll just tell you this, because you're in the business, you know. When I got this job, I cried my eyes out. It was a dream come true. And they said to me, we're going to send you sooty. And I was expecting exactly that, a limo, at least a flight case, something, you know. And I was dead excited. This was the life-changing job for me, the, the childhood dream moment. And I remember hearing this shoving sound and went to find the postman wrestling with a jiffy bag, shoving it through my letterbox. <laughs> and there was Sooty with a compliment slip, you know, and that was it. That's the truth, honestly. And um, what I'm doing now, I'll just tell you, what, what I'm doing now is because Rick's done the introduction, in case you can't tell, okay, so I'll tell you, the, give me the insight. I'm, I'm, I'm positioning my hands, all right, now, where it needs to be. Now, I did the Croydon light switch on a couple of years ago, where they have video screens 20 times the size of that, and I was doing this, and I produced Sooty, but what I really hadn't done is, when I was slipping my hand in, I'd put him on backwards. So, when he came up, and I'm doing that, I can't see him bit, for 30 seconds to a minute, he had no face, and he's arms up. Anyway, it was all horrible. (laughs) Would you all like to see Sooty? Yeah. Because <laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Right. Knock on the box, Rick. You have oh, to, can you I have really to, do this? Yeah, you have to really oh do my this. God, this is this amazing. This is visual comedy. Knock okay. on the box. How many knocks? Just uh, don't be clever. Just okay. two. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. And again, go on. Give me a really good knock. I'm right at the top of the box. Right oh, on the top. Oh, look. Yes. Normally the applause comes now. There he is. There we are. City, it's great to see you. How are you? Yeah, How are you doing? Very well today. You were listening in there. Yeah, did you hear everything? Well, did you know that they sell one Thomas every second? <laughs> <laughs> I know, we need to work towards that. You want to wave to everybody? All right, wave to everybody. There we are. Oh. I knew you'd all wave back. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That's and why that's I love this Rick. conference. That's it, eh? <laughs> but isn't it? I mean, this is, this is the secret, though, because we can take you anywhere 
and 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 here you are. Yeah. Can, can I ask? I mean, I think it's about time we did a really sort of searing, quite uh, in-depth discussion with. All right, just a few questions. So, come on. I mean, come on. You're here. You're in front of a lot of very important people. Um, I think it's important we should know. You know the questions are some really important questions. Like, um, do you get on with Richard? <laughs> do you get on with me? Question that is. Um, you wish I'd cut my fingernails a bit more. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, again, uh, another question I'd like to know is. Yeah, uh, Pretending to this whole debate, how do you look so good? How do you look so good? So you did look really good, actually. Do you know what? There's been people ask this question. Really, get you asked that? Yeah, all right. A good fabric conditioner is a, is a key. So, no, but, um, I was asked this the other day. I did an interview for the Daily Mail because Sooty's having his 70th birthday this year, as we know. And um, there's been lots of stunt doubles for Sooty over the years, and for stunt doubles for Sweep and stunt doubles for Sue, and. It got to the point, so whenever Sooty does a slapstick scene, we, we substitute a, st a stunt double so that the real one doesn't get too dirty, because when they get dirty, we have to sort of put them in a pile and we can't use them again. So there's probably been over 3,000 stunt TV doubles for Sooty since he started. And I've got, or had, boxes of these things. And I said to a, a, my little guy that works for me, I said, we can't keep these anymore because they're rotting and they're covered in porridge and dried things. And we, we, we can't put them on the tip. We have to get rid of them. So we took the sooties and the sweeps and the sues that were old and horrible and moth-eaten, and we did the unthinkable, and we had a fire, all right? Oh, And, and listen, no. and I had a real problem with this, didn't I? I was very upset because... The, I had, and I did have a real mental problem. It was horrible, really, but it had to be done, you know. And the guy that works me hid round the corner when he thought I didn't know he was there, and, and he was doing the... When Sue was throwing it, Richard, please don't throw me on. It's too hot, Richard. I don't like it. So we had a moment. So, um, but in answer to... So that's why he looks so good. We substitute the stunt doubles for when it's time to do the, the dirty stuff, which is why he's always immaculate. Now, I know you're very busy, so you've got to move on to a book signing later on or, or, you know, opening a premiere or something. But um, uh, finally, just what is your favourite moment in all the 70 years of your career? Well, you've had some great moments, haven't you? Um, oh, yes, there was that one, wasn't there? Shall I tell them about it? OK. He met... Uh, he was... Uh, uh, Harry Corbett got the OBE, and, and Harry Corbett did something very daring, didn't he? He took the water pistol, which is Sooty's... Standard gag, favourite gag, and uh, soaked Prince Philip with a water pistol, didn't it? <laughs> Very that, naughty. That, that took some nerve, didn't yeah. it? it? It was a lot of... No, no, what have you got? Oh, no, 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 Sooty, don't start anything. That, don't start being silly when we're here today. Oh, no! Don't do rig like that. You see, that slapstick, you see. Oh, look! I yeah, thanks for Thomas laughing. One of these, there we are. It's only bleach. You're I think right. I've reached the highest point. I, I think I've definitely reached the highest point in my career. It's not going to get any better than that. Uh, that is the highest compliment. Sooty, thank you very much for squirting me. That's very nice. OK, uh, well, I have to say thank you, Sooty. Thank you, Richard, for being with us here. Isn't it nice to have Sooty with us, everybody? There we are. Very nice. Thank you, Sooty. Um, and I'd like also to thank, please will you uh, uh, show your appreciation for Ian McHugh and also Michaela Winter from Mattel, uh, uh, Thomas, they're on behalf of Thomas and Friends, so big round of applause for them please. Um, and, also, and also Chris Rose from the Beano Studios, thank you Chris. Thank you all for coming along, I, I feel very refreshed now. Um, <laughs>
I thoroughly recommend the Zuti experience. Um, and thank you very much for joining us here today. And of course, we're just going to ask you, I don't think anybody needs to know the answer of moving quickly from this, from here. We always have to say this, but move leisurely. People are hungover. Uh, uh, tea and coffee are available outside. And coming up here in the common room next is de-risk at 2 p.m. But thank you very much. And thanks to Sharon for producing the session. And thank you very much. Of course, thank you. Uh, and we'll see you, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>